You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome. Yes. Sid Thank Talk. you. Welcome. Welcoming me, are you really? Yes. So, marketing. This is before First. the before the after the show discussion. Marketing <laughs> is. We're battling for the before the after the show discussion topic, by the annoying. way. Annoying. Um, one of my pet hates is, and it's not just movies, it's video games, it's books. Those little quotes that they take from reviewers or, you know, somebody like me and you, maybe. <laughs> and on the back of this movie we're watching today, it says, It's Zodiac meets Goodfellas. Which is not a good way of describing this movie, in my opinion. Maybe to that guy who watched it, that was what it was. But then they tell everybody it's that. I just think it's a really bad... Unless it's them saying it. And then some idiots will watch it, and And they'll read that, and they'll go, yeah, like I said, like robots. They said that it is like Goodfellas, and da-da-da. And that is what it is. The posh version of Goodfellas. And that is what it is, because I cannot think for myself. Although there'll be another group of people who were like, it's nothing like Zodiac or Goodfellas. You're selling me wrong on this. Like, what's the... There's two... I think there's It's never right, is I think there's less of those. I think people are... I just think it's never right. And it's always, like, the most obvious quote. Like... There's always one, if you go and look on the back of a Blu-ray box. There's always a quote from somebody. It's always the most obvious thing, or it just sounds like a yeah sound bite. Now, here's my thing for you before you have the show. I'm throwing a curveball at you here. You're just trying to okay. get off my topic, because <laughs> you might forget what your thing is. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm making it more complex as I think about it. Okay. Michael Shannon. Revolutionary Road. <laughs> True, but that's not this. <laughs> Michael Shannon, Kevin Bacon, and our anniversary. Link these three things together. Michael Sh- Shannon is in The Talented Mr. Ripley. Kevin Bacon's not in that? No, you, I, I thought it was like you have to have three things. No, these from one three thing things the are related. No, no, no. These three things are related to things. And then those I don't even know if he is in that. So. He's not. I don't think so. These three things? Our anniversary? Okay. <laughs> Our anniversary, I'll use my thought process, is Groundhog Day. Correct. So, Kevin Bacon is not in Groundhog Day? No. They're not related to one is another. Is the producer of Groundhog no, Day? No, they're not all related to each other. Oh. But they all have one thing in common. Oh. Okay. My, one of the things is in my clue. Bill Murray. <laughs> no, oh my God. Michael Shannon yeah. is in Groundhog Day. Is he? Michael Shannon was also in, and I'm using Kevin Bacon because that's six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but I'm throwing curveball at you. Kevin Bacon was the woodsman. (laughs) It's blown my mind. Kevin Bacon was the woodsman. And Michael Shannon's in that. Oh. And Michael Shannon's in this movie. I don't remember the woodsman. I don't remember Michael Shannon being (laughs) in it. Yes, you do. He's like that crazy. I do remember it, but I would never remember it in that context. Michael Shannon was in that. He was in Groundhog's Day. He was in what was he in Groundhog Day? He was the one of the the young couple who gets married and he gives them the tickets to the big the monster truck thing. Oh, They're yes. dancing. Yes. That's it. You know what? Out of all that movie, that's the bit that I always forget about. It's like him passing through all the people, like the guy he saved from choking yeah. and then, you know. I get you. All right, so it is Saturday, September the 7th, 2013. This is after the show um, number. It is not September the 7th. 
Oh, that's not right. No, it's September the 14th. Saturday, September the 14th, 2013. <laughs> so that would make this, after the show, 292, actually. So I didn't obviously change that. So um, the movie we're looking at this week is The Iceman. It's a 2013 movie released on Blu-ray on the 3rd of September, so you can pick this one up now. It's rated R. The tagline for the movie is Loving Husband, Devoted Father, Ruthless Killer. Which gives away a lot. IMDb says it's 2012, just so you know. Right. I'm just it saying. says it's a 2013 on the back of the cover. But it was that a 2013 means... release on DVD or Blu-ray. Right. I'm just saying. We like the accuracy here on this show. <laughs> so a 2012 production, a 2013 release. Mm. I never use the IMDb date because that's when they make it, whereas when it comes out is... This, right. this was in theatres this year. So... Uh, it's from our friends at Millennium Entertainment and Sid Talk. You're going to give us a synopsis of the Iceman. Who are your friends at Millennium? Um, Dave and Jeff. Nice. <laughs> Not Steve, Dave. No, Jeff and Dave. I just made those names up, by the way. I don't. Know. See, you don't know. So you call me friends. They're our friends, just because they give us movies. Lovely. My synopsis. What was the tagline again? <laughs> I kind of sums it up. It is a portrait. I'll, I'll steal that word. Of a dude, real life, based on a loose, loosely based on the true life Richard. story of Richard Kuklinski, who was called the Iceman. Just a serial killer, really, who fell into the, purportedly, into the world of hit killing. Hitman. Yeah. And sort of, this movie isn't about that so much as about the... As they like to say, the duality of a family man who on once to one group of people looks like a upstanding citizen and but internally and in the darkness of his real life is a murderer which is always a fascinating topic i think it is uh, because it's yeah, hard but the thing is it's hard. everyone who's a serial slash killer serial or murderer or maybe they killed one person violently in their life most we're gonna say in the on the planet and in all the history of humans, ninety nine point nine to the infinity almost of those people will hide it. So I'm not sure how fascinating yeah, it really is. No, 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 that's not what's fascinating. What's fascinating is how they hide it because we all know how human beings operate, and to actually. We do? And this guy's not called the Iceman because he's ice cold or anything. That's actually not why he's called the Iceman. Which I originally assumed it was. And then when he lost his temper tons of times, I was like, this guy shouldn't be called the Iceman. He's always like losing his break. I think it's, it's about the lengths. body being... It's, no, it, it, I read, when mm-hmm. I read the real story, about a body was kept in ice for two years before it was disposed of, and that was where the nickname the Iceman came from. But I was watching it going, no, this guy should be the red-hot, like, bad-tempered man. Because he gets bad-tempered quite a few times. Mm, not quite a few times. Yeah, I, I one, two, three, four. There's, there's several times. Hmm. That doesn't stand out to me. Yeah, he's pretty bad tempered. I mean, he loses his rag instantly. Like somebody can say the wrong thing to him, and then he he will kill you <laughs> in a second. Let's not say loses rag, shall we? That's very sexist. But we'll just move on from. That. I don't know what the connotations of losing his rag is. I've just um, heard it. We won't go into. I thought it, it was like like a. Like it's related a, to women. And. Oh, I thought it was a car wash thing. That's what it... I don't think so. And then they lose... Yeah, it is. I don't think so. It was from the car washes in the 70s. I don't think so. 
Well, we'll look it up later. Someone can tell so us. So you're not allowed to say it because it's offensive. I'm not saying you're not allowed to say it. You can say whatever the hell you, you said want. Don't use it. I'm saying let's not. I'm not telling you what oh, to do. Oh, you were though, weren't you? No. I'm making a note to you that that can be sound offensive, like sexist. sexist. And you don't even know it. No, I don't, because to me it's that car wash thing from the <laughs> 70s. The movie Car Wash. How can that have anything to do with being mad? Have you seen the movie Car Wash? Probably. When he no, loses the... Yeah, that's where I thought it came from. Mm, I don't think so. Where he... I don't I want to spoil the movie, but there's a whole... <laughs> I don't remember. Well, what, go back and watch that, and then you will... You could apply that term to that movie exactly. So, um, this movie, uh, The Iceman, I don't know anything about this guy. I'd never heard of his name. I'd never seen a news story. It was completely fresh to me. I don't know how I ducked it, because apparently when I read it all about it just now, it's one of the most famous cases in American mm-hmm. history. Um, and in our lifetime, because it was the 80s and 90s. Yeah, and but he only I- just died a few years ago. But this is based on the true story, and it is definitely not... I just read also the same article you was reading. Like when we watched a couple of weeks ago, Pain and Gain. Yeah. How it's kind of a embellished version of a true story. Kind of. This is quite an embellished... I mean, there's, there's people missing, there's incidents. It's very different. It's a movie, ideal movie version of his story. So don't base this... Go and read the true story after yeah. you've seen this because it's quite different. On HBO from HBO that is actually just interviews with him in prison that tells more about... And that is what story. the director of this movie actually saw that documentary and then was inspired to make this movie from that documentary. Why do you think filmmakers feel compelled to, like, twist shit around? Because the real-life stories uh, don't seem to need much assistance. No. You know, like... You know what? I don't think it's that. I think there's a lot of uh, hands in the pot when a film's being made. And there's a lot of... How will audiences react to that? Are you going to make this a bit more sexy? Are you going to make this bit a bit more... Yeah, but when someone has three kids in real life and you give them two kids in a movie... Yeah, I don't understand the reason. It's an innocuous thing, other than juggling an extra character. But even then, if you're telling the story... Is it like we could only afford to cast two kids? Like, you know... (laughs) All three kids would be... Or just manage three kids or fit it in the timeline. But still, you know, don't say it's based on a true story then. Just say it's fiction. But I mean based. They they clearly say based. Everything is really then when you think about it. Yeah. So, this movie in in general, how did you like it? I don't know that I enjoyed it, but I was fascinated not by the story. Because I, I knew the story already. I wasn't fascinated by the ends of anybody anybody's lives or anything because I didn't really care because I I turn that off when I'm watching a based on true story kind of thing because they're not fictional they're not someone that a writer's invested in making their whole backstory they're no. plucked from the headlines and then put on a page of script what fascinates me are was and I'll be very honest both when I when a writer and Michael Shannon because I just couldn't take my eyes off of either one of them when they were doing when they were in the middle of a scene. I was I give huge credit to them to me for me making me just constantly compelled to see what their next little interaction with each other was going to be or with someone else. You know, even her discussion with the friend at the roller rink. You know, little things. I was just really there to see how she was going to do everything. So I really enjoyed both of their 
performances. That really is what won me over. Now, I liked it a lot, but I have some issues with it. <laughs> and one of the issues is, I don't think the character development of it is as good as it could have been. Uh-uh, it felt a, a bit choppy. A like. little shallow. Yeah, and very, like, matter of fact. Like, here's this guy and... You mean peripheral characters? Yeah. Because like, they're really well developed, I think. Not super well. Like, you don't know her background and no. stuff like that. But but peripheral characters, it's like, oh, look, this guy is a certain guy. He's wearing this. So you just immediately assume he's the tough guy. He's Ray Liotta. Everybody yeah, knows what Ray Liotta is. So there's a lot of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's, an, you know, stereotyping people. Um, and it came across a bit choppy because of that for me. Like, there was parts of it where I was like, oh, you could have really... Exp- um, what's he called? Uh, Chris Evans' character, for instance. He's quite a pivotal, interesting character for me in the, in the actual story. But the way they handle him, it's a bit like, here he is, and like, oh, now Almost he's... Almost ma- comedy. Yeah, and now he's a major part of the thing, but you've literally only just met him, and there's not really much build-up to him. It kind of sneaks up on you. Yeah, yeah. Even the... Even big things, like the... Yeah. Sneaks up on you. Not, not that everything has to be formulaic, but... It's not done in a way where you're... It's, it, I don't know if it felt to me like... Fleshed out. Yeah, like it needed a bit more time. Like like it, it's an hour and 40 minutes. Like, like it felt like another 20 minutes were needed to just and like fill it up a bit. best friend, I felt, was more... I was more intrigued by that relationship. Because in, in just a couple conversations, him saying, But I've been your best friend for 20 years, yeah. man. I have to call your wife to see you. I was almost like, oh, I want. I I'm figuring out now. This guy cares, but he's also tuning in to something bad's going on. That guy is interesting me. What's he seeing and what's he doing behind the scenes that yeah, we're not no, seeing? There's no other look at. Any, yeah, and there's that no, there's no look at the police being on their ta- on the uh-uh. tail of this thing. There's, there's no, not even any police at all. No, there's no like other side to it ever, is there? It's just we're always. Mm-mm. So there's no, oh, you know, we've seen it done before, and Zodiac's actually a good example, which is David a David Fincher serial killer movie based on a real thing. But it's got the both sides. You're, you're seeing the things, you're seeing the procedural. Now you see me. Yeah, but you're now seeing you see this me. procedural police thing, which gives you this suspense of, like, oh, he can't last much longer doing what he's doing because somebody's on the case. Like, But this, it's... You know, when you just said jumps, um, sneaks up on you, the conclusion also sneaks up on you. Yeah. Almost, I was like, no, not now. Like, like there's more to be said here, surely, right? Yeah. But then it's done. Like it, so there was a lot of that for me, but I felt that there was like really good quality acting. Very good. But sometimes not as well. There were some scenes Evans that felt like, yeah, there were some shooting. scenes to me that felt like te- like a, and I'm not saying a TV movie is worse level than a Hollywood movie. Or yeah, you are, because you always do. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, you're going to say, no. You, but but that's what you're saying. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't use it, it as is what It is how I feel. So I'm saying that it felt a bit movie of the week cheesy in some parts. Like, Ray Liotta was responsible for a bit of that. And that's yeah. weird for me, because I, lo- I love him. Like, But the set seemed a bit cheap in that. There's some cheap sets, I think, and... Well, Maybe there's just some cost cutting going on, like to get this movie made. I didn't find the set. Yes, there was some cost cutting to get this movie made because it it cost ten million dollars, which is actually very cheap for a movie with these actors in it. So they had to cut costs somewhere. But I just felt that a little bit from the movie. I felt it was 
edited down a bit. Maybe they had loads more, and it was. But it did no feel edited scenes. in a weird way sometimes. Um, my favorite scene was the disco scene. I thought it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a hit kind of thing, but it's in- like a really interesting. But it was underutilized the the scene. Uh, like it could, there could have been more to that scene. It, they literally had like a whole disco thing and then used it for what? One minute, two yeah. minutes. Um, but the the story of the guy is very interesting to me. But it, like you say, it's not different enough. It's not super different to another Hitman story. Well, that's not what I was saying. I'm saying then all stories are not really fictional because they're all based on people and. Well, yeah, everything is, isn't it? Um, Yeah. Well, unless it's really totally out there and it's... Yeah, but then it's ultimately about a love story or revenge or um, being controlled by the man or... Our stories aren't really unique other than the setting. So this one seems like it's almost fictional, but not an outrageous way like Pain and Gain. Right. Because that one seems outrageous and like, there's no way. That part has to be added And the reason Pain and Gain works for me... Is because there's this true story that's actually a ridiculous true story. It's got elements of banal, like weirdness to it. It's it's you would never believe that story was real, and it was. Michael Bay, yeah, added some. You're saying this guy, even though he killed about 250 people, is a little boring for you. He said a hundred people. Yeah, not in real life. They think maybe over. So why 200 did they change 50. that detail? I think that's what the in the court or whatever said They're that only they could have been. To, yeah, right. But he's confessed to, and they think, you know, I don't know, you read it. I don't know. Because, you know, there's a, as in a lot of movies like this, there's black, go face to black and has some, yeah. this is what happened to the guy after, after the event. There's nothing missing from the extras, by the way, is any information about the real story whatsoever. No documentary, no, yeah. delete, no deleted scenes, no, no, there's a lot missing. I think that's it for me. Like it was just uh, a lot of people. A lot of people saying, um, saying, um, talking a lot about um, a lot about. Um, um. They just kept fucking repeating. Were when people are interviewed, and it was all of these people. Um. All each one of them did the same thing. I don't think the producer did it as they, much. Yeah, he did actually. Were you talk and. Um, and uh, you're talking, and then you say the same words. Um, yeah, words again. Okay, we get it. What, yeah, what, it's um, so annoying. <laughs> That's in the. Is extras. that because they're all stoned, or what? What's the deal? Like, why, why is no. the thought? Why is the thought process of Michael Shannon very slow? I don't think that at all. I think that when people get interviewed, I don't. I don't think that either. I was just joking. What, what I'm saying is, oh. why is Michael Shannon or Winona Ryder's thought process so slowed down? Because if you ask me a question, I'm not going to. I don't think it's slowed down at all. They don't I think expect that the there question. is a fabrication about the way people communicate when they're being interviewed. A, because they've been interviewed probably on the same topic many, many times, and B. There are types of people in certain industries, and the arts is one of them, have to, where people really do like um, to... Okay, uh, okay. But I, I that's think, what I mean. That's what I think about. What I think about it is um, also that people sometimes have to watch what they say sometimes. Like... Press guy doesn't want you to say that, or somebody doesn't. You're you're kind of loaded. Yeah, but they're not saying the, anything. No, I think you're kind of um, set up for the questions before you go into the thing. Like we're allowed to say this much stuff. 
don't really talk about that guy. He doesn't want to be involved anymore. Don't do this. Don't do that. I don't think that's part of it. I think it's just a mannerism and the way people... It's, it's across the board. You find it all over the place. Yeah, Chris Evans didn't do it at all. He did a little bit, yeah. Didn't notice it. Yep. I was paying attention. So, what's the odds of every person in this movie doing an interview in that style? Maybe it was an inside joke. Maybe they were all like, hey, when we do an interview? No, I think it's part of that No, but I see lots of interviews every week on extras, and I've not not seen that level of slowed reaction to questions. What's the odds of them all I don't think it's slow, though. I think you and I see it different, but... I think it's them thinking their way That's through. That's what I mean. The th- you see the thought process instead of the them editing the question down or... Yeah. Because you can't edit a question so it sounds like it comes out... Even a, a good video editor can make it less... Hello. Yeah. You know, like it... Mm. But they don't. They just leave it ro- rolling. And sometimes you, you are literally looking at the screen going, uh, come on, get it out. Get it out. Get it out. And then when it does come out, like I said, Michael Shannon... They ask him a question. We haven't actually got onto these interviews yet. I don't know how we got around to this. But when they ask him a question and then he goes, blah, 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 blah. And then I said to you, this, it, the information that comes out is not even anything. I it disagree with you, but it doesn't there feel, you go. And I also feel, maybe it's this too, right? Maybe Michael Shannon's makes so many movies. He's always making movies. <laughs> and they sit him down to interview him for something. And then he's like, oh my God, that was like a year ago. Or... He's on the set of this movie. When yeah, but they he could have been him. doing reshoots like from a year. That could have been a movie like. Yeah, but he's on the set of this movie. You can tell. He's in the a costume. He's in I know the that. What I was saying though, they could be doing a reshoot. He could have shot this whole movie a year ago. And he's trying to remember it. Oh, I disagree. You're trying to give him excuses. I think they're just full of shit. That's what I think. They're full of themselves, and they want to really... Uh, that isn't bad to say. No, I don't think it is at all. Yeah, but you don't know them. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's very We're weird. all full of shit sometimes when we like to hear our own selves. I'm going to write to Michael Shannon and tell him, you think he's full of shit. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. And Absolutely. You, and and t- please, when you do an interview, speak quicker and get those thoughts right out. It's not about the quickness. It's about the guardedness or, or the... I don't know. They think it's precious what they're saying, and so they, you know. So moving on to the cast, anyway. Uh, Michael Shannon <laughs> plays Richard Kuklinski. 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 Um, he's fantastic in it, really. He really is. I mean, he makes the movie. Undeniably. Me. Yeah, it's it's a... Just when you think he's being too intense, then he lets it down a little bit, and then there's something different happening. I mean, he's very intense all the time for me. But yeah, there is a, there is one particular scene that stands out for me where they're in bed with their daughters, mm-hmm. and he lets it down completely. Like, yep, yep. And when he tells the daughter, um, "Don't let any nuns give you any any <laughs> yeah. trouble," <laughs> yeah, you see a humorous kind of fatherly side immediately, like from just one thing he said. I. But yeah, he's very intense the rest of the time. Like, so intense, it's like... Uh, he's wound and anything yeah. is going to bling, like, spring the, sprung the spring or whatever. But yeah, he really brings everything to it, I think. Um, he's not really a, an actor that I've known very long, really. I've not really... You know, he's been in stuff peripherally. Any well, he's in Groundhog Day. That's a long time ago. But I don't know he was in that. Like, he was... Obviously, he was in Man of Steel recently. I think he did a really good job in that. It's a different type of movie. Uh, Revolutionary Road, obviously. He won a Best Supporting Actor for that one. But he's not an actor I always think, oh, I have to see Michael Shannon. You know, like, I have my favourite ones. Like, But now you will. 
Now I will. I think, and this really changed my mind. I was like, wow, he's intense. I'd like to see him not intense to see how that works. Because he's always intense, right? Even Zod in Superman's intense. He was intense in Groundhog Day, but he was young. It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was before he was Oscar winning Michael Shannon, right? It, it, was a, <laughs> it was a little part in a movie. It was So Winona Ryder plays his wife, Deborah Pellicotti. Um, we've talked about Winona Ryder. What did we see her in last? What was it? I forget. You looked it up and told me this morning. No, that was Oblivion. No, that wasn't Oblivion. It was the last one Winona Ryder was in. I'll, it'll come to me anyway. We don't see her a lot uh, of recent times. We obviously used to see her a lot because she was... 80s, she did several movies. The big Hollywood... 80s and 90s, I guess. Yeah. Um, but she's... She's then, really good. Really good. I think she, you know, acted on... Like, she does a lot of, obviously, her parts with Michael Shannon. And Michael Shannon's, like, really knocking out of the park on, in this movie. And she's matching him. Absolutely. And if it, if it was a weaker actress who couldn't... Ma- I think it would have really fell apart, those scenes. But those scenes are, like... There's a really intense scene where he loses his... Temper. Mind. Um... But she handles it well. Absolutely. I think she really gets into it, like, in the moment, and I like that. Mr. James Franco is in here as Marty Freeman. Now, James Franco was going to have a bigger role in this movie and then ended up... couldn't do the movie. He was probably busy doing Wizard of Oz, right? So it was made in the same year. So um, they wrote him back in as a smaller part, so... You know, he could have literally done this in one day, couldn't so he? So mentioning him really is irrelevant, because he was in it for, like, maybe two minutes. Yeah, his, his face is right on the cover, too. I know, um, but... So they obviously value... It's unimportant, doesn't it? Because he just does nothing. He could have been absolutely the anybody. Scene was, scene was very good, though. But it could have been anybody. Absolutely anybody. But it was Michael Shannon who was... Yep. This is one of my favourite things, where he says about him praying. Yep. I just... Oh, wait here. You ask God to come and stop me. Yeah. And then sits there actually waiting, like, like, (laughs) kind of... (laughs) It's like, nope, I'm not feeling anything, so... (laughs) If I drop dead now, then good luck to you. I let you get, yeah, I let you have your chance, God. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, James Franco's in here. Um, Ray Liotta plays Roy Demetto. It's it's a very... Ray Liotta. Yeah, Ray Liotta was fantastic in A Place in the Pines, which we watched just recently. That was... But he's also the same. Yeah, but I... There's something about that that... It really was good, I thought. But he's the same. He's just an he's a, he's a irritating... Menacing. Bully, menacing jerk. And he does it well. Yeah, he does. And it's he does it well here, too, is what I'm saying. Um, Definitely. I also like, actually, in this... The I like one of his lines was like, if you're going to cry to me about hard, how hard life is, you're crying to the wrong fucking person. Yeah. And you just think, ooh, I'm, he's had a hard time. Yeah, but like, what I really like about it is... You know, when you're introduced to him, you're like, okay, here's the guy who we, he's, he's really Ota. He's, the, he's scary, right? He's going to be... A, but actually, there's a guy who's scarier than him who's pulling his strings, too. Oh, I didn't find him scary at all. Yeah. Well, you didn't find him scary. But what I'm saying is, Ray Liotta finds him scary. True. And Ray Liotta's phased by him. Literally, if he's in the room, it's there's something wrong going on. I like that, because it, it, it wasn't like Ray Liotta was just this badass who nobody will ever touch. and True. He was actually... There's always a bigger A fish. little bit down the ladder, wasn't he? Um, so, then Chris Evans plays Mr. Freezy. 
Who I didn't even know was Chris Evans until the very end. And I all, almost immediately when he came on the screen said to you, oh, it's Captain America. But Chris Evans is in here. And he, it's a pretty major part of the story. But they kind of made him a bit... Unimportant. And comedic, which yep. I thought was kind of... Maybe he did have some charisma like that or something, and that the real guy, I don't know, but... Almost like... The characters out of Pain and Gain. That sort of yeah. like caricature. Like the rock with his skateboard under his arm. Kind of a bit... Yeah. Like... Here's the serial killer, or the, um, what's it called? The assassin who drives an ice cream, ice cream truck. He's got Jesus hair, and he wears funny Hawaiian-type shirts. Yeah. So let's make him kind of... <laughs> but he's not really. It's just that he's so in contrast to other things that you're but he's seeing. Like- you know, if you think about him, Mr. F- he's, he's actually a scary... It's scary as... I mean, sure. how casually they're doing something. Uh, yep, yep. And the way it's nothing. Like, nothing. This guy is the Iceman. He's literally got no... Again, same as pain and gain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I wonder how much that's really going on in the world. That grisly... Yeah. Yeah. Dismemberment stuff. Yeah, there's some... <laughs> in other words, spoiling anything for you, but there's some dismemberment. So this is directed by Ariel Vroman, um, and I, the way, like I said, the way they're talking on the thing, I thought there was going to be lots of interesting movies I could delve into now from this guy to have a see what his other stuff. But he's made a, some short films, like two or three short films, and a major feature film. Well, not a major feature film, even just a another kind of lower budget film called Danica. Um, which didn't look that interesting from the synopsis, so he's not really a director who I'm mega familiar with. Um, and to be honest, the direction and everything here doesn't... It's not. It's very matter-of-fact. Yeah, even yeah, the, yeah. Very in- non-distinctive. Yeah, there's no... You, I'm not saying that it's bad, because, yes, I think there is a place for people who make things that are just telling the story and not... But he's, you know, like somebody like Danny Boyle... You, you know that it's him, don't you? You wouldn't know that this was this guy. I, no, I, no. But I think he did a fine job. But it's it's functional. It's just functional. Yeah, there's no. It's not clever of camera work. It's not. Not that it needs that, but it in a movie that's focused on the state of mind of a person with such dual roles in their life, like we all have dual and triple and quadruple roles that we portray to different people, but this is some. This is such a split that. Anything visual or creative that could be done, other than just focusing on Michael Shannon, I mean, he portrays it fine. But there are other moments when you could use something that that gives you an inclination of the like turmoil going on. But then again, now that I say it, and you think about Michael Shannon, he gives you everything you need to know. So it's maybe very it's functional is good. Maybe that's why I said to you I feel like it, it's kind of like a TV movie. Maybe it was the cinematography and the way it was presented more than the, the acting. Yeah, because if the actor's going up the stairs, then the camera has been plunked at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah, and it's, it's very, sitting there, focused up the stairs. It's exactly it what you expect. Thing. right? There's no zooming in, there's no zooming out. It's just sitting there. And then the next thing is the camera is static and sitting in a room where there's a dinner party going on. It doesn't move. It doesn't. Now, I'm, I sound contradictory because the last thing I talked about was that freaking spinning. Yeah. And yeah, I guess there has to be a balance. A yeah. I'll tell you who the, what, the, where the middle ground is. David Fincher. David Fincher. You can tell it's a David Fincher film because the way it looks. But he doesn't go nuts with the camera. 
but there are definitely David Fincher shots. Watch The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Watch The Social Network. It has a mood to it because of the way he films it. Whereas what we watched last week where the camera's... It's somebody who's like in love with spinning the camera around. There's a difference. You know, to somebody going, oh, these gimmicks are cool. Like, let's do this. Like, get it on a crane. Yeah, yeah. To To somebody like David Fincher who's kind of focused and goes... I like doing certain shots. David Fincher's favorite shots are these long tracking shots that go through keyholes and then they go. Yeah. He does that a lot. There's that stuff where, or where, like the camera goes through a wall, but the wall's still there. So, like you as a viewer's going. And while that doesn't serve any purpose, that's just visual trickery. Where I mean, the balance between using visual design of some kind to portray. The actual state of mind of the person or the, you know, to give the viewer a, a, a sense of something like the beginning of Irreversible is meant to, the sound and the visual that they do is meant to disturb you and make you feel ill and dis- disorient your inner ear and all that stuff. Now that is the extreme end of using visual and audio to like manipulate the viewer. But I think sometimes, in this one, there could have been moments of a little more, like, you know, people are getting drugged, people are getting killed, people are in fear, and to maybe use a little bit of... i say the most dynamic scene again, is the disco. Then $10 million, so you can't you really... You've got a really budget there, haven't you? you got to... everything comes with trickery. Lighting and special effects and... So... So, um, DV, uh, Blu-ray extras, there are two. One of them's like a bunch of interviews. They call it the making of. But really, it's just a bunch of interviews. About making the movie. <laughs> and we, we did mention it before. They're the kind of interviews where there's a lot of stuttering. and it's, it's unedited. It's everything that comes out of the brains. And the other thing is a making of, which is so brief and very... It contradicts the other thing, because the interviews from that are in that one. Kind of uninteresting. Yeah, now, a movie like this, based on a real thing, I was expecting at least, like, something about the documentary, or, like, about the real guy, just even a short piece on the real guy, or some news reports, but no, no, no. Nothing. Unfortunate. Uh, They probably didn't have the rights to any of that stuff, I guess. I don't... That's public record. I mean, if someone goes to court, you don't own any. I think they just... Yeah, so, my... I don't know why. My thing is, if you want it... Any, if you want extras, there are a couple here, but go to the internet, go on Wikipedia, look up this, and it'll send you to lots of news articles, and there's your extras. They're and actually, the HBO documentary is out there to watch. It's actually out there to watch. We don't know if it's supposed to be, but... No, I mean, it's out there. It's uh, You probably can watch it on HBO online. You could probably just watch it in loads of places, legitimately. Yeah, it's uh, actually, I've not checked, but it could be on Netflix, because mm-hmm. they do have HBO documentaries. Um, so, yeah, in conclusion... I really enjoyed it, but it has its shortcomings. <laughs> but in a little bit of yeah, There's some exactly. shortcomings to it. But it's, gr- it's a fantastic showpiece. The for, acting, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The acting is it's if you like good acting. I almost think to see. the quality performances are part of what distracts you from these things sneaking up on you. It keeps you from paying attention to the fact that it's a little bit flimsy in the storytelling department. Because you're so focused on him and then on him and her. I would I would actually say more like rushed. Like they're rushing through the to get to the point. That's how it feels to me. They don't rush at the beginning though. It's well. No, it feels good at the beginning. Yeah, but it feels the, comfortable. It like gets to a point where it just all is all over. And I don't know if that was because it was so good 
I was I'd lost track of time and I was like, wow, is it over now? Or but it didn't feel partially, like, you know. But they also shot out a sequence. Remember? Yeah, they did. All the har- all that stuff was done. It does take place over three decades too. So yeah. there's a lot of costume changes and you know decade changes where things look different. That keeps it interesting too. I think. Interesting, but how does that have to do anything to do with how fast it goes away for you? I don't know. I just the maybe just the way it switches because you you know you. It looks one way, then it looks another way, and he looks a different. He looks quite different throughout the movie. I don't know. It adds a, adds an interesting, but it did take place over thirty years. It's a lot of bad facial um, hair in this movie. <laughs> Not but, poorly done, but very seventies. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you know, and um, it wasn't bad at the time. No, in fact, one guy mentions mm-hmm. about the mustache. Oh, you forgot to mention David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer, Mr. Yeah, Friends, awesome. and he does a fine job. He, does, he plays that guy exactly perfect. He does. A little bit, duh. And also, you feel the calculation behind his bodies. And I thought that was... It's almost like you could skip over him, because at one point I'm like, that? That's Ross. <laughs> that guy from The Sopranos was also in it. The uh, chef guy from The Sopranos. Artie? Was that him? Yeah, that was him. Yeah. Oh, right. He's like a tough guy, but yeah. it yeah. wasn't really much. He's the one that got... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, in conclusion, yeah, it's fine acting. Very. And the true story, again, is kind of more interesting than the movie for me. I agree After with I that. went and read it. So, thanks to Millennium for the Blu-ray. Uh, if you want to go and enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. There are a few contests going on this week. Next week's Blu-ray review will be... Zombies. Yep. <laughs> the generic zombies. <laughs> I was zoned out there for a second. Mm. Any zombie movie is fine with me. It will be World War Z. World War Z. Starring Mr. Bradley Pitt. I forgot his name then. I was... See? I was You're zoning thinking. out with me. I think I'm thinking about supper. So the... <laughs> and I just had a peanut butter sandwich. So the new movie game, which is not very new anymore... No. Uh, movie year. You're just reading what you see every single time. Correct. Because it, says, it says new movie game, you say new movie game. Mine is... Oh, what is it? It's the game where we one of us says a movie and then the other one has to figure out what year it was made. And you can't cheat, can't look it up. No. You're not supposed to guess. You're supposed to think back in your very brilliant movie-watching career <laughs> of your whole life. And dig it up and, and know it. So mine is My Fair Lady. 47. Oh my god, that is so wrong. I don't even remember what year it is. <laughs> but I know that's not right. It is... No. 1964. Nice. I don't know about these old 64. movies. 64. I didn't even think that. In my mind, My Fair Lady is also of the 40s or 50s. Mine's nothing to do with this movie at all. Oh, mine wasn't either. Mine's Airplane 2, the sequel. <laughs> oh, my God. 1980. No. 81? No. 87? No. <laughs> I give up. 82. Oh, my God. <laughs> 1980 was the original Airplane. The sequel well, came two years. I it would have been like seventy nine, and that's why I thought eighty was. Sequel is two years after. Oh my god! I don't know why I thought of that movie. I just did. So, um, movie recommendations this week. I went on the theme of Hitman movies uh, for the Iceman. So, my recommendations to you, if you want to watch two amazing, and these are literally amazing, my favorite Hitman movies. Two of them: Leon the Professional, 
which I've mentioned so many times on this podcast. Well, it's you... Leon or it's The Professional. Yeah. I in America. <laughs> in America, I think it was called The Professional. And for you, it's called Leon. Yeah. Leon's the better title, in my opinion. And it's fantastic. It's got an early Queen Armadilla that you just can't resist. Luke Besson. Um, and my second one's The American with George Clooney, which I think is a fantastic really movie. was good. Yeah, it's so... It's, there's it nothing had like it. hints of pretentiousness, as we described, I believe, in our review. But when you think back on I it, like it's how beautiful. It's kind of a quiet and still kind of Hitman movie. Again, the, the two things of a person who lives this way and then has another thing. and Mine are completely unrelated because these are two movies I was thinking. As I was thinking of Winona Ryder, I'm like, oh, what? why do I think so... So they are related, slightly. Shamble. Not not low of Winona Ryder, but I have a certain threshold I've always given to her, and I don't know why, because I think back, and when I watched these certain movies, in the moment, I was blown away. Now, I was young, so give me that, but one of them is Mermaids, with Cher, Bob Hoskins, and it's, it's a... I don't know now if I would watch it and I would think the same thing, but at the time I was like, oh, it's just so awesome. It's like Mystic Pizza when you watched Julia Roberts in one of her first movies. When you were that age, back in the 80s, and you watched it, it was powerful and, you know, but now I don't know. But it's Mermaids, and then my other one is completely unrelated, but another movie that I think is maybe forgotten. And when you think back about movies... Now, people are very focused on now movies, latest, newest release, newest release. But sometimes you got to dig back. And Crossing Delancey is, I forget her name, um, and I forget his name, but it's Crossing Delancey. It's just a love story, kind of a metropolitan New York City love story. A guy sells pickles, and then the woman's got like a hardcore mother who wants to hook her up with some dude to get married because she's aging. And, you know. Winona Ryder in Heathers. Yeah, yeah. She, she was, her. yeah. Heathers yeah. is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, but is it? Yeah, it's very of its time. Exactly. Yeah. It, I, but I, Beetlejuice is awesome. Edward Scissorhands is awesome. And even in the, you know, I could watch them now and be convinced that they're awesome. But is it because of my yeah, it's, it's attachment nostalgia. to them? Yeah. It's nostalgia. Because I love Time Bandits, right? Yeah. And we watched it recently. And it's got so many flaws when you watch it now as an adult but i overall it's fantastic it doesn't matter but it's because when i was a kid like it meant something to me and it still does still get the same feeling from it but i can see that it's full of i don't think you were a kid when it was made but close a teenager yeah but you've got you're looking for a different set of eyes you've seen less you've you know yep the more you see in movies the more newer stuff you see as well the more you see the man behind the curtain right. is the more it takes away. Like the spectacle of a movie can fade away for you when you're our age, I'll say. Or of my mind, I'll say. Because I'm quite ske- cynical and skeptical. So I go into movies with a hard thing. I have to like crack it open sometimes. Like last week. Just let it happen. Yeah. Have a good time. And later start... Finding all the flaws in your brain and going, no, 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 disregard, 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 because I want to like it more than I want to dislike it. Other movies, I want to dislike it more than I want to like it, and that's where I get, you know. But these movies, they could be crap. I do not know. Like Mermaids and Crossing Delancey. But I almost don't want to watch them again, like you do with some video games. Like, you don't want to go back. The memory's better. Exactly. 
What's your favorite Hitman video game? And Hitman doesn't count. There's not many apart from Hitman. Yes, there's one that you really like. Assassin's Creed? Hello. Yeah. Oh, that's not one of your favorites? I like it, but I would say... The Are those the only two? <laughs> best game to do like a Hitman is Hitman. Yeah, really, yeah. Oh, Hotline Miami is one. That one's pretty good. Also, GTA's got its share of Hitman action. Yeah. But actually, stories about, like, only about a Hitman. Hitman's yeah. it. <laughs> and Assassin's Creed, right? Hitman more so, though. Because he's well, an yeah. actual... And don't watch the Hitman movie. That's one where it was hard to... Going in with great enthusiasm. High potential for awesomeness. We both liked Elephant. Oliphant. Yeah, I don't like him in that, though. No. He didn't fit, did he? He, he only fits in Deadwood. He, he <laughs> didn't fit honest. in that. It was like... It didn't even, that didn't even seem like the type of guy I would think it would be. Like, it's just, like, the wrong casting. You were thinking, like, Jason Statham, something like I that. I was, actually. Somebody yeah. a bit tougher. Somebody a bit, you know, seems a bit tougher, like... Because I don't see him as tough. Like, I just see him Except as, Except like, in Deadwood, you do. Because he's, you know... You don't yeah. mess with him, really, in Deadwood. No, but he's... Yeah. Why are we talking he's about He's just hiding behind a gun, you. isn't he, on Deadwood, though? He just, oh. he just pulled a gun. I mean... Like, yeah. Statham will, doesn't need a gun, does he? He'll just kick you No, he has women he can throw at people. Yeah. <laughs> or he'll punch you in the face. <laughs> so, um... Or fight with you in a vat of oil. Yeah. Between two trains. <laughs> oh, those are so good scenes in movies, aren't they? Yeah. The, yeah. The oil fight was like... I don't even like fight scenes, and I was intrigued. Yeah, it was kind of like a ballet of fighting, wasn't it? Was it? it was a like little weird, but... Cirque du Soleil Interesting to look scene. at. So, um, moving on to games and Ace Gully stuff. Not much to talk about this week, aside from... In two days, Grand Theft Auto V comes out. Um, obviously, I don't really care about Grand Theft Auto V. That is when I become what the industry... Um, the circle of the industry call a video game widow. Because once you play that... It doesn't matter... I could walk in the room completely naked with another naked man... In an embrace, and you'd be like, uh, excuse me, love, I'm trying to uh, see the screen. I'm like, I get it. That's It's going to consume you. So, And it is a, this time they're saying it's a 100-hour game, so it's a pretty good there volume. There we go. 100 hours of life sucked I, away from I you. always say Grand Theft Auto games are good. You know when you think, oh, $60 for a game, it's very expensive. Grand Theft Auto is one game, if you like it, that delivers your money's worth. because Like The Sims for me. Because you can, yeah, you can sit there for... More than 100 hours if you're really into it. Plus there's an online uh, component this time, which... That's unlimited, right? You can just go in there whenever you want. The Call of Duty. You feel like you you play it every day. Right. So, So, yeah, it's one of those games where I feel like you get your money's worth. So, a couple of days, Grand Theft Auto will be out. I'll talk about it next week. There was a bit of a a, um, Japanese PlayStation conference this week, and they announced a couple of new things. They're not actually going to be released in the States yet, or they've not give you any uh, US release dates but the first thing is the Vita TV which is this tiny little box that's about I'm looking at your uh, external hard drive on your desk it's smaller than that about half the size of that and half as thin and it plugs into your television about the size of a wallet yeah about the size of a or, or a small a thick wallet or a, sm- a, a laptop hard drive about that size so normal people would know more what the size of a wallet is right. than the size of a laptop. Hardware. So you plug it into your TV. It's called the Vita TV, and what it actually does, it comes with a controller, a PlayStation controller, and 
what it primarily does is allows you to play your Vita games on your TV. So if you've got a Vita and then you come home and you're like, oh, I'd... Let me get this straight. So you've already got the hardware that you need to play the game. You've got, potentially, your PlayStation 3 as well. And now they want you to buy this other thing so you can play the same games that you play on your Vita, but just on your TV. Actually, there's a couple of audiences for this device. There's one, the person who already has a Vita, plays the games on the go, wants to come home and continue them on the TV instead of sitting looking at a Vita all day, all night, if they play these games. Two... The people who don't have a Vita, not interested in handheld gaming really at all, but would like to play the games without on a handheld. So they can just buy Vita games and play them on the TV. as though it's, So it's a bunch of new games that they've never played. There's an Uncharted game, there's all kinds of games on the Vita that you can't experience unless you buy a Vita. So there's that audience. And then also this PlayStation Vita TV has some other hidden features. One is it plays new YouTube, Netflix, so it's like a little... If you've not got a smart TV and you plug it into a normal TV, it will do all that for you, you know, your entertainment stuff. Better be YouTube. sure you don't have a cap. Right. And it will also, and this is the killer feature for it, for me, the PlayStation 4 is coming out this fall, we know, I'll be getting a PlayStation 4, but this PlayStation Vita TV, you can plug it in a different room to your PlayStation 4, and over the Ethernet cable, it will stream your PlayStation 4 to another television. So, scenario would be, you've got your PlayStation 4 hooked up in your main room, and you want to watch television. Say you've got kids, the kids want to play the PlayStation 4, there's the argument, no, we want to play on the TV, no, I want to watch TV, where you can send the kids into their bedroom, and they can play the PlayStation 4, even though it's not in that room. I think that's a really awesome... Um, so your TV can do its own separate thing while the PlayStation 3 is on four. and someone else is playing it. A uh, 4, yeah. Right, yeah. So your PlayStation 4 is on in the living room, but the kids are actually playing it in the bedroom without a PlayStation 4 even in the bedroom. Now, in the past, you would have had to buy two PS3s, one in there and one oh. in there. Yeah, yeah. With the PlayStation 4, you, you can just have one, centralized one, and then these small boxes, as many of them as you want, you could play the PlayStation 4 anyway. You make it sound like it costs 50 cents. It costs $100. It costs $100. Actually, it doesn't cost $100. The pack is $100 and it comes with a controller. Uh, a PlayStation 4? Con- no, it comes with a PlayStation 3 controller, but when the 4 comes out, it'll come with a 4 controller. So, let me put this to you. If you're buying a PlayStation 4, you're going to want another controller. I mean, you end up buying another one anyway. You get one with it, you buy another one. Which is $50. Which is $50. If you buy the PlayStation TV, you get another controller that you can, you're can going to buy anyway. So the PlayStation Vita So TV they get you to spend an extra $50. Is, I'm saying the little box thing is actually $50 to you. But it you, isn't really. Because if you're going to buy it, you need a controller. Right. So it isn't really. But we don't know what the price is going to be here. That's like marketing bullshit right there that you just said. So there you go. You're part of the system. No, I'm saying it could be $50 when it releases here. It's only getting a Japan release at the moment. You can import one from Japan and it will work on an American television. But you pay all kinds of import. It'll end up costing you $150. I think it will come out here because it seems... If you're releasing the PlayStation 4, it's the perfect complement for it. Plus the Vita is already here. So yeah, it's called the PlayStation Vita TV, and it's coming out in Japan the day before the PlayStation 4 comes out in the States. It's really this is an odd situation. Japan is not getting the PlayStation 4 this year. 
which is very different for Sony because Sony usually cater to Japan first. It's always been the here's your console Japan and then we'll go off and feed the rest of the world their console. They're doing it the other way around this time and there's a lot of Japanese people very upset over this. Really? Yeah. Because if anybody's mad about video games, it's Japan. They line up for video games every week. You know, they line up at midnight. They, you mean people in Japan who play video games, not all yeah. Japanese people. No, okay. but it's a high percentage. Let's make it very clear. There are people in Japan who play video games, just like there are people in Latvia and Canada and America and Japan Mexico. Japan is um, a very video game-centric country, obviously. A lot of game, video games are made in Japan, and they were originally. Arcades came from Japan. Japanese people are brought up on video games. It's It doesn't miss them. It, the, not all Japanese people will love video games. Not all will, no. but it's a very high percentage. And even people like in America, it's not. It's not. It, yes, there's Americans who play video games, but there's more people who don't. In Absolutely. America. In Japan, it's the other way around. It's more people who do than don't. So, if anybody, you know, if a console's coming out, they you know Japan normally get the console straight away. They line up around the block. They'll line up for a week for a console. But this time, Sony are poo pooing them and getting it out to the west first so um, that's it for this week for video game news but I'll have Grand Theft Auto talk next week so Sito oh my god I can't wait Sito what's for dinner <laughs> did you hear the enthusiasm I can't wait because I will be the one hearing about it the whole time once you get it and start playing it and you'll be like look at that did you see that come and look at this come and look at this come watch this and then I'll get to hear about it again that's alright. I even bought the strategy guide. I love that you love it. I bought the strategy guide for it this time. Wow. Not to spoil it or anything, but... Um, That's unusual. You know I like going collecting stuff. Yeah, did off. you get Red Dead Redemptions too? No, I did not. No. I've never bought a strategy guide for GTA games, but this one looked particularly nice as well. It's one of those hardback ones, like Diablo's for strategy guide. Um, but what I like is the map for Grand Theft Auto, and this one is particularly big bringing it up every time and looking at it I, I like to have a map next to me and I know yes I could have it on my tablet but it's not the same mm. as having a page where you can just look it's not the same because on your tablet you can zoom in really close and zoom out True. really but in a book it just is what I like, it is I like a page better for a map <laughs> you know so you're old fashioned mixed with new fashion but yeah I, I, what, uh, did, what was your question to me what's, uh, what's for, dinner? for dinner tonight is leftovers last night I made a vegetable pie and mashed potatoes and mushroom gravy. Tonight we'll be having potato patties and mushroom, I mean, vegetable sauce, because it's going to be the gravy. And, you know, because it's kind of saucy, soupy, so then we'll have the mashed potato patties with the mushroom gravy inside and then the stuff on top. Doesn't that sound fantastic? Yes. And then for dessert, the dry cookies that you like to point out are dry, but I didn't make them, so there you go. And my advice... I couldn't think of anything, but I can only relate it to my recent discovery that I don't hate at the hiking, as we've discussed. I still don't, I still really no, enjoy it. You should discuss the hiking we did this week, the, the, funny, oh the funny hiking day. <laughs> funny. Yeah, it, wasn't, fun. it wasn't funny. It's quite funny looking back, though. Come on. No, you can't convince me. It is to me. I, right. I find it funny. Yeah, but you like to be delusional about things, and no. it wasn't funny. It, it was, was to me. Awful. Very funny to me. We go hiking, but it's not funny, though. That's yeah, but just, it is to me. 
Right, and so that I suffered and you think is funny is funny. That seems rude. You didn't die, and it's funny looking back. It's not that I didn't die, but it was fucking awful. And you just don't seem to accept that. Because it's not fun. It was unpleasant, and it almost turned me off of going ever again. But... All right, then. It wasn't funny. The thing... I'm not telling you not to think it's funny. I'm just trying to examine why you would dismiss the bad part and only focus on the thing that you think is funny. Because that's what you do when you had a funny experience like that. But it wasn't funny at the time. You don't go, oh, God, so bad. But it was. It was very uncomfortable. Well, I guess I'm a different person. It wasn't for me. Right, and for me, because we were take some turns in the woods, and we end up taking. So this started off as a funny story. It's not funny anymore, right? It didn't start as funny. Oh, I mean, I said let's tell the funny hiking story, but actually, it's the serious hiking story if you're telling it. It's not serious. It just is what it is. Right. We were doing our a hike, and we were going to do the two point seven eight miles. I forget how much it was supposed to be, and we took some wrong turns in the path because it's kind of hard to tell when you're in the woods where you're supposed to go. Actually, there are signs. Yeah, but we still didn't. But people mess with the signs. Yeah, and I think some of them fall. Plus, some of them aren't marked, and we just go. And you go, oh, we've got three ways we can go here, and we just pick a way. And we end up going the long way around this whole lake, and then discovering that we're all the way around the lake. And at which point, we'd already gone three and a half. Four miles, three and a half Which miles. Which some people are going, wow, I walk 20 miles every day. Yeah, well, I don't. So, <laughs> you know, to me, the 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 good size hike has become 2.6, 2.8 miles, and in a on a moderate day when I have the right amount of water and I'm in the right frame of mind. It was mind, 100 degrees on this day. It was, and we ran out of water, and I was, I mean, yeah, I think not dying isn't really a measure that makes it funny. It's a measure of, like, obviously I didn't just quit, quit, but it was difficult, and I got sick to my stomach, and I felt dizzy, my hands swole up really bad, it was very unpleasant. Whereas to me, it was a funny story, because we survived through it, and it's quite, to me, what is quite funny is that we're lost, and we're only, like, Two <laughs> miles from away our, from the car, or something. not even two miles from the car, probably because it's really windy. So yeah. no matter where so you are, so you're in the trees, but like your car is always out there somewhere. It's like out of- right, and that was our issue once we got <laughs> out of the woods. Was like, oh, we're on the road that goes around the lake, but how far are we? And I was like, oh, we're far. And we're I'm talking. Far. We had to walk up some hills, and I, I'm fairly fit, and these hills are so steep. You can barely put your one foot in front of another. It's like like going up a mountain, right? Well, it wasn't that extreme. But that, if you feel fairly fit well, how many degrees and it was is difficult that? for you... How many degrees is Then that? why would... How would you think I felt at the time? Yeah, but how many degrees is the slope? I would say a couple of them. Well, the two that were near the end there, one was more than 45 degrees. Because that's 45 degrees. Yeah, it's way more than that. Yeah. And quite long. Like, it takes minutes and minutes and minutes to get up and over it. And... It just was, like, lesson learned. Like, we're not going to fucking get lost again. And if I do get lost again, then somebody's giving me a ride because I'm not doing it again. It was really hot. I was, like, soaked wet through. Like, Oh, my God. I, every inch of my, every crevice was sweating. And my favorite part was I was I was quite ahead of you. Always. And I, and I was walking up a hill. And in my mind, I was still three miles away from the car. Right. Because <laughs> we didn't know where the car was because we'd walk here, there, and everywhere. I was like, no, we're miles away. I'm really tired. I could do with a drink now. Because we drank all our water. I was walking up this really steep hill. 
and our car's like this lime green colour and I saw the lime green colour and I was like no, no is this a mirage am I having a Chevy Chase moment but it was a car it was our car and you were like there's the car there's the car and you came at me and I'm going up this big fucking hill and I'm like do not stop me I'm very excited I'm excited for you for being happy that's awesome but do not stop me in the middle of this hill because I'm about to throw up fall over faint pass out whatever it is because I'm not good at overexertion and then sitting in the car was just, like, your brain can't comprehend that you're done with that thing that you were just so miserable about. Wasn't it? How far was it in the end? Five miles. But it was, the, the difference is, it's 100 degrees. We're in the woods. And it had rained, so it was, like, humid the day before. It was very humid. Sweat was just pouring out. Uh, yeah. I think my earlobes were sweating. It was, like, hot. Yeah, and I had the backpack on. And when I took the backpack off, I had, like, wet straps still <laughs> on my, yeah, it was pretty, pretty hot. So that's the hiking... Uh, right. Now that... In the middle of that, or during that, I was becoming discouraged. I can't undo the way that I am. And if something makes me very unhappy, or even moderately unhappy, uncomfortable, feeling unpleasant, I'm not the like, yeah, you can do it type of person, because I think that's bullshit for me. It doesn't work for me. I'm more the type like, this is unpleasant. Why am I doing this? And so... Through that, I was like, I don't want to come back here tomorrow. I really don't. I do not. My feet are going to be hurting. My legs are going to be, like, severe pain because I'm just not used to lots of exertion, obviously. And I thought my back's probably going to hurt. I'm going to be sort of dehydrated. I don't want to have come back. I think I'm done with hiking for a while. And the next day, getting up, there was none of that. And I was like, are we going to go today? So that's the only thing I learned was through that. Now, if I had a lot of pain the next day, I don't know that I would have been going again. I thought I would... Like, I, had, I really thought... I had some blisters on my feet yeah, that, that day because we'd won. gone quite far. Because we don't, we don't wear, like, hiking boots or anything I appropriate. I We just wear tennis shoes and regular clothes, so... But I was... When I finished, I was like, oh, I've got a blister on my foot. It's hurting. Tomorrow it's going to be terrible. I couldn't even feel it tomorrow. Exactly. So. And so, for me, I guess my... And then we've gone hiking a few times since then, and... The enjoyment I get from the actual being in the woods and on those trails and, you know, a few little hills here and there that are challenging and it does wear me down sometimes and I get a little bit annoyed. But the pleasure I get out of it has overridden even that miserable day. So that, my advice would be, particularly, we'll just talk about the area of exercise because I've hated it my whole life. I don't like getting my heart rate up. I don't like sweating. I don't like moving a lot. I just never have. I'm not that person. You can't convince me otherwise. However, you never know when you're going to do one thing that makes you go, I could do this for two hours a day. I can't even fathom standing on that freaking treadmill for an hour and a half. It would drive me insane. I would be so bored and that's why I've never done it. I can't even, I can't do it for 20 minutes without losing my mind. But being in the woods for an hour and a half or two hours, uh, by the time we're done, I'm like, well, that was good. That was fine. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I like looking at stuff. I like the kind of challenge of weird rocks here and there. And there's a certain of dips and things you got to climb. And there was one path we went on where you had to climb over this big rock that was a little bit, and on a little thin ledge over the lake. And, you know, I don't know what it is. So my advice is... Don't think, especially exercise, if you haven't liked all the stuff you've done so far, there's still a lot of other ways you could be moving your body. And you you might like playing basketball by yourself. You might like playing ping pong. You might like, 
laying on the floor doing exercises, calisthenics. You might like going outside and walking around your house 50 times. Like, you don't know until you find a thing. Just try things. I didn't think I'd really like it, but... So... I do. Let me remind you about our websites. aschoolie.com, sids.com. You can catch us on Twitter, Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace, or the RSS feed. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, or Stitcher. We're new on Stitcher if you want to go there. You can also email feedback to me at Don't email Sid Talk. And stay classy, Mr. Michael Shannon. I really would like to see some more of your stuff. And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you don't do it, someone will do it for you. 